This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D Bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfa, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, to my left, here on the bridge, Counselor Daniel Prue. Daniel, um, you know, I... I know this may not be the time or the place, but you have terrible taste in women. All the ones I see you dating just seem like horrible people. Uh, excuse me, Philip. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, all the people I date are on the holodeck, and they're all exactly who I want them to be. So I don't see what the problem is here. I, wait, are you getting them programmed by Reginald? Um... It doesn't matter, Philip. Let's just move on. Okay, well, well, I'm also joined on my right here on the command deck by my other co-host, Commander Darren Moser. Now, Darren, I, I know you're married now, but the crew here knows you had quite the reputation before you got the Stormtrooper helmet. I, I don't know what you're... Well, actually, that's true. I have proven before that Star Wars is within the Star Trek canon uh, because it is our future. But no... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I had Lieutenant Data comb uh, all of Starfleet's official records and expunge all of that reputation. So I'm just going to I'm gonna plead the, uh, the Fifth Amendment to the Starfleet Charter. You're so stolid. You weren't <laughs> like that before the helmet. Um, Wait a minute. How well, come Darren is, a... has quite the reputation and I have terrible tastes in women? Philip, where is this coming from? Where is this from? going, Philip? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> That's a great question, as I'm sure our listeners want to know, because um, for this week's topic, you, you know, we've talked about the, the the romances and loves of Captain Picard, um, and it, it got its own episode, but we're going to do kind of a variation on that theme, and we're going to talk about all the guest stars who had romantic relationships with our favorite, or I don't know, <laughs> unfavorite crew members on the Enterprise um, and, and there's a lot, so I don't know. We're probably not going to hit them all, um, but I certainly have them here on a list, and, and Darren and Daniel can see them too, so we're just kind of going to go through the characters uh, one by one, the, the you know the, our, our main characters, and even maybe not some of our main characters if we have time, and talk about some of the guest stars that came along, maybe one or maybe even two episodes, and spread a little love um, in front <laughs> of the Skeletor in some cases. Um, so we're just going to go right into it. Um, speaking of Skeletor, Worf. Um, you know, Worf had a few uh, romances that we saw. Um, well, you know, at least that, that not counting uh, secret marriages. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week in our Klingons episode. So let's just talk about everyone's favorite uh, female Klingon on The Next Generation, Kalar. Uh, played, of course, by the very 
famous, infamous Susie Plaxon. So, uh, Daniel, uh, you <laughs> raised your hands in glory. I'll let you start first. What do you think of arms of raised Kalar in victory and guest star Susie? <laughs> <laughs> I love. I just love Susie Plaxon. I just think I'm in love with her. And I mean, I've, uh, we we've talked, and I've mentioned previously my love for Doctor Solar, also played by Susie Plaxon, and um, and even Kalar. And I think Kalar is a wonderful character. And um, going down your list and just briefly looking, probably one of the only few characters that we get multiple times. Um, and e- e- like, even though I know she's responsible for Alexander, I still love her. I still think she's a fantastic character. And while I think she's her death serves a good purpose in that in that in that episode. Spoiler alert. I wish we got to see more of her because I actually really think I mean she's kind of the proto Balana, right? And I, I really like her a lot. I think she's very interesting, and she could have really, really brought a lot to to you know TNG. Yeah, I mean, and she was definitely the um, you know the polar opposite to Worf because she was like you know don't give me any of that Klingon nonsense. And of course, that's you know <laughs> Worf loves that Klingon nonsense. So it was definitely an interesting foil. So what about you, Darren? That's the name of their sitcom. That Klingon nonsense. Kalar and Little Wharf. But no, great, great character, uh, you know, great dynamic against Wharf. I mean, you she's one of those guest stars where you kinda wish she stuck around for like a season or something, like kinda like you know, um like uh like Dana Mulder. You know, that I think that would have been just a very interesting dynamic to add. And then even though we got to know her a little, get to know her even more, so that would make her her death even more poignant i know instead she would just become a q so <laughs> um well uh Worf's other uh go-to girl he, he really didn't have that many um admittedly um unless i'm i'm forgetting some the only one i could really think of was uh bayel and this is from uh birthright uh parts one and two uh this is the uh cromulan um, played by Jennifer Gaddy, if I'm saying that name correctly. Um, Darren, it's a perfectly it's a perfectly cromulent word. Would be a clomulent? Um, <laughs> so, so Darren, what'd you think of of Worf's other uh, guest star romance? Which and another two appearances, technically. She uh, she prefers uh, Romulan. <laughs> uh, to, yeah, no, Cromulan's better. Uh, no, I, I was, I was, I mean, we won't, I guess we're not talking about who's not on this list, but, uh, yeah, I guess cause she's not a guest star sure. on next gen, you know, the secret marriage <laughs> of Worf, but, uh, no, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I think War Worf was more in love with the fact that she was embracing her Klingon heritage than the fact that she would have been in love with him. That <laughs> seemed to be the bigger thing he was focusing on. So interesting relationship. Worf just can't catch a break though. I mean, not as much as Jordy. I mean, that man's (laughs) hopeless, but Worf, Worf has, has problems too. Well, and and I don't know if this struck me. Like, I don't know, you know, once you take the Klingon makeup off and you see the actual actors and actresses, but like just in world, like, I don't know how old Worf is. Like, let's just say like 38 or something. She looks like she was like 18 so it was a little, yeah, that was, was a little, little weird disconcerting. Too. Yeah, it was. He was robbing the book. 
as it, as they say it in uh, in Klingon. <laughs> I, that's a Klingon word I just made up, just just so you know. <laughs> I, I, we could t- I think we could tell, tell what I was inferring. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? This is this is the only other uh, guest star romance I could think of for, for Worf. Um, yeah, we should do. I mean, we we I think last week during our Klingon episode was probably one of the first times we overtly mentioned uh, birthright. It's just one of those things that just kind of slips your mind. We should do a show on it sometime. But um, it's 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 interesting. I think her her heritage is interesting, right? Like these two hated enemies coming coming together. But as far as a romance goes, yeah, you're right. She always seemed a little too young, and the chemistry I felt like wasn't there. And uh, so she's she's okay. Um, she's passable for for the two parter that she's in, but uh, certainly nothing I would I would think that would last like the strong Worf and Troy relationship we got later on. <laughs> hashtag sarcasm. The hashtag yeah. Torf. <laughs> now I don't know, is this like a dilemma for you, Daniel? Because I know Klingons aren't your favorite, but you do like Romulans. So yeah, she's she's does much. A, does a, Cromulan girl do it for you? She's that... she's way too Klingon. She's like oh, a okay. thousand percent Klingon. She, there's like she's she's only Romulan in the fact that her Klingon head ridges come to it like a V, and that's it. <laughs> and like so now, now remember, guys, we were you know applauded <laughs> in our recent reviews for not ranking the women oh, of Star is... <laughs> Trek based on. Uh... <laughs> I'm not ranking her on hotness. I'm ranking her on Romulanness. So that's, that's a, right. That oh, is okay. completely okay. on the Romulan uh, scale. What is the Romulan scale? Is it anything like your nacelle scale? <laughs> oh, it's not as complicated, but uh, I could get into it at some point. Sure. Yeah. If it's a Klingon scale, it's Kelecams. I know that. <laughs> that's right. Oh goodness! Well, it's probably cloaked, no matter what it is. Well, um, y'all brought him up, and 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 you know, you throw out anything you want here. But Jordy, you did mention Jordy. Who, um, yeah, I don't know. I actually had a little bit of a list for him. But, of course, we're going to go with the obvious person first. Uh, Dr. Leah Brahms, played by uh, Susan Gibney. Um, and she had you know, two appearances as well. I guess that kind of is the running appearance so far here. Um, interesting fact, um, listening to To the Journey. To, to the, the Journey! journey! That um, according to to Larry Nemechek and when they were talking about the uh, uh, casting, some of the folks that that Susan Gibney was briefly considered for Janeway. Um, so I think she would have made a great Janeway. She she was she really proved her acting in a Star Trek role in those two episodes we saw her in, in my opinion. I mean, you have a little bit of Doctor Who syndrome of, no, we haven't seen this person anywhere before. <laughs> now she's the captain. <laughs> Tim, yeah. Tim Russ totally, who? Totally I know. I was going to say, we call it Tim Russ syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom Paris is who? <laughs> but <we'll... laughs> Pretty much their whole cast would have been repeats oh, from yeah, even, previous uh, episodes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a Ferengi. They don't yeah, we missed that episode in Voyager where Tuvok falls into the Enterprise's time stream and just uh, – never never mind, never mind. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, so, so Dana, what do you think about Leah Brahms? And, and... Uh, this is also technically bes- the only – correct me if I'm wrong, Philip, since you're, you're head of the show today. But even in an alternate reality, the only um, successful – relationship with the guest star that's had right because in all good things we hear that he had married leah brahms right 
That's right. Um, I'll 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 accept that. Yes, I'll say yes. And and they're also together in uh, the the fiction oh. book uh, indistinguishable from Wait, magic. did you I'm sorry, Darren, did you mean to say Ships of the Line there? I thought you were going to usually... say Ship of the Line. <laughs> no. I I I do read other books besides <laughs> Ship of the Line, okay? Uh, no, but Leah Brahms is you know, it's interesting. It's and I like that she comes back and then we get to deal with with Jordy's creepiness and uh, the fact that he can't read a personnel report past this first line apparently. Um uh, yeah, Leah Brahms is great. I I I like her in the, her two appearances and um, she makes a good matchup, I think, for Jordy. Even though Jordy not so successful for the most part with the ladies. Well, I mean, speaking of um, uh, Jordy being incredibly awkward about personnel files, Aquiel. Um, this was uh, played by Renee Jones. Um, you, know, I don't know. I, I won't color your commentary before commenting on it. So, so Taryn Aquiel, what do you think of that as as a guest romance for Jordy LaForge? Oh, sorry. I was just reading uh, chapter fourteen of Ship of the Line. I felt an inkling to uh, catch up on my favorite favorite book. Apparently, I can't read anything else besides it. But, uh, <laughs> but no. now, some people would say Aquiel. reading your book would be better than watching Aquiel. But anyway, go ahead. Well, you know, I that when you think of Aquiel, you think of Jordy, and then you think of LeVar Burton. So read a book, you know, take a look. <laughs> I think it's the uh, other way around, but that's okay. But yeah, hey, hey. But no, I don't know. I'm not an Aquiel fan. I just she, it, it's the whole. It's it's basically almost the same thing as Leah Brahms, where he starts to fall in love with her based on recordings, and then when he actually meets the actual person, it's like a huge disappointment to him. So I, I don't know. I felt they didn't really need. I guess they needed this romantic relationship sort of to like make him believe her when the chips were down. I don't know. I felt like we, we you could have done the story without that and, and maybe had a better, a better tale. But so I, I don't know. I don't think uh, she's, she's definitely not my favorite of the guest star romances. Yeah. And I don't know, Daniel, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I, inc- I included Aquiel on my list of most forgettable episodes for a reason. And I think part of it is, it's just not interesting. I just, yeah, we saw the whole thing before Leah Brahms and yeah, I don't know. There, I, there wasn't much there. Uh, I, I don't have much to say. I just, just I just did not find it compelling in any way. Yeah. in in some ways, I don't know, which not, that, not that we need to cast blame on anyone, but like, I'm trying to figure out why that character didn't work. Like, was it the actress? Was it the writing? Was it both? Was it neither? I mean, I think it was just the, character like just she comes across kind of as a i don't know she just has an attitude but i don't know i just i didn't really care for the character yeah i mean i think a lot of people think of that episode as a dog and i'm not talking about the puppy (laughs) (laughs) to the journey (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah i mean it's it's a very interesting character because you know outside of barkley She's sort of the first um, Starfleet officer we see that that's really not that perfect at all. Like she's whining about her commanding officer, and and I don't know. Like she doesn't seem very Starfleety, um, but but I don't know. She she gets to play with a rock and share it with Jordy. I don't know. It almost reminds me of a trip and you know putting his hands in strange forms of things, but water cubes. But um. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, another guest star for Jordy, um, which we really didn't see much of, but she was also in two episodes. So I don't, I don't know. I guess that's what you go for. Um, Christy, Christy Henshaw, Christy Henshaw, played by Julie Warner. Um, most folks may remember her um, as the uh, doomed date on the beach on the holodeck with the violin <laughs> player. Um, but some folks may not remember, unless they're like me, you know, in the most forgettable episode, Transfigurations, um, where, where yeah, Jordy actually, like, hits it off with her, which, to me, like, it was the strangest, like, it's almost as if Transfigurations didn't know she was in another episode. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, Jordy, I, I never knew you felt that way, really? Like, the date, you know, three months ago wasn't... Where you weren't interested? I don't... It was weird. I don't know. When we were on a beach... She blocked it out. <laughs> I mean, we don't blame her. Well, she was holographic, uh, Christy Hemshaw, at that point, so you can't really blame her for that one. Yeah, and I and I guess she was... I mean, as far as the Enterprise goes, she was sort of the first civilian um, guest star. Because, I mean, I don't know. I guess Dr. Leah Brahms is a civilian, but, I mean, she was sort of a Doctor Federation position. Like, I have no idea. What does Christy do on the ship? Does anyone know? <laughs> no. She probably wasn't a blue shirt, so what does it matter? Okay. Well, moving on to, uh, well, you know, speaking of transfigurations, I'm going to do an actual segue. Speaking of transfigurations, let's talk about Dr. Beverly, Dr. Beverly Crusher, um, uh, and John Doe. So from transfigurations, that way we'll just do it that way. Which I'm going to say, so we haven't changed the unnamed person in a medical, like, diagnosis to the 24th century from John Doe. Like, seriously. I mean, talk about technologies that didn't make it into the 24th century. I was a little taken aback by it. Why don't they just call the name of the episode John Doe? Well, that's how I remember it, because I don't even remember the episode. I don't know. What do you all think of... It seems that Beverly, and we'll talk about this with her other folks, like sort of has these sort of really fast romances. It's like, oh, we just met, and now we're 100% in love. I'm like, <laughs> it's not, I mean, I know it's a 45, 50-minute show, but there's not a lot of subtlety. Beverly in love. <laughs> well, but with Transfigurations, though, Philip, the, it, it's a strange episode because it actually takes place over, like, I think, like two months or something. I mean, what? Where they keep saying like, "Oh, it's been so many weeks," or "Oh, eight weeks later in our you know charting of this you know nebula," or because I mean they're on like this deep mission to chart this whole section of space. So it actually, I don't remember the exact timeline, but it's quite a what? It's quite a much a lot longer than an actual episode where it's like a day or three days or in sometimes the same day, you know, eight times. But uh, so in that case, it's the slowest building relationship we probably <laughs> see in a next gen character. And he goes out with a bang. Uh, too soon. <laughs> yeah. All I can think is that uh, is that John Doe somehow had Jordy's mojo on him, much like much like an Austin <laughs> Powers, and uh, that's all I can think about. And that's. It was very much a mojo type <laughs> scenario. It's like you had the power inside all along, my friend. You just needed to. You just needed to it. believe in yourself. 
The power is yours. For you know. <laughs> so he's that star that we see, you know, flying across the more oh, he, you know. It's probably logo. the same color, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he turns into as he as he shoots out of the Enterprise. Or you know star guy. That's his new name. That's, I like that better than John Doe. Do, do, do. <laughs> Exactly. Um, now another. Now I, I sort of the the, uh, the parameters for this is guest stars because we could talk about romances, but that'd be different. Like you know, Jean Luc, you know, but he's not a guest star. So another. Not now, Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, this is going to be a tangent. I just watched Attached, and like you know, they're they're at the campfire, and Beverly's like, I never knew. You were in love with me. Like, really? <laughs> Naked yeah, Now? It was yeah. only like the second really? episode, Beverly. I thought it was pretty clear. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, but but Beverly uh, Odan, if I'm saying that correctly, our first trill, uh, played by Frank Luz, if I'm saying that correct. Um, which he had a little long hair. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to say she has a type. Um, or reverse type. <laughs> um but anyway, uh, that was very unique. Which will was Guinan, who's who's attracted to bald men. That's right. I don't know. I, I, Jack kept his crush, kept his uh, hair pretty short too. Um, which I, don't know, I guess technically I could, could include Jack Crusher as a guest character for. Uh, but anyway, um, which <laughs> her actual yeah, husband. We only we saw him twice. Twice. I think. Okay. Can you guys remember? Because I know we saw him in Family. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, like and that the, other episode the where they were – its tw- oh, my goodness. I can't remember this. Hang on, guys. Help me out here. It, it was, I think, in the seventh season, and Picard was for some reason reliving s- – s- Oh, that was Violations. Body. Violations. Was that it? Is that no. because the people – you know, the telepathic people are going back looking in memories? Yeah, but I don't – did they do Picard? Was that – are you sure? I'm oh, talking about another one. He's 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 barely he's not really important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, he's not the just, father yeah. of the you know. But anyway, I guess. It, I mean, we all know that what that Picard is really his dad. I mean, <laughs> if for all intents and purposes. Oh, violations. Yeah. Uh, nope. Nope. That's not it. Hang on, I'm gonna find it. Okay. Oh, he was in Journey's End. Uh, he was in Violations as a corpse in a flashback by Beverly, and he was in Journey's End as a in a vision by Wesley. That's what it was. Oh. Vision, oh, Vision Quest. Quest. Yeah, that was the Chakotay yeah. planet. <laughs> it was actually. Gucci yes. Moya. Wait, so who is who is Wesley's spirit animal? I'm gonna have to think about that one. Um, uh, the nanites <laughs> are his spirit animal. I guess they are a life form, right? Apparently. Um, but anyway, so back to trills. Odan, um, the host. I guess is technically it was the episode. What did you all think of the first trill and Odan and? Dr. Beverly, I believe that's what he called her, right? Yeah, it's. I love this. Um, this is probably one of my favorites, actually, surprisingly, because a lot of times Beverly isn't given a lot, a ton of, a ton to do. Um, well, but she this has is something a, to do in this episode. <laughs> she she has two people to do in this episode, actually. <laughs> <laughs> With one of them being her, uh, I, I guess I can't even say um, commanding officer because they're... Uh, well, yeah. They're, I mean, well, you could, right? Still, even yeah. if they're the same rank or whatever. Anyways, that's not important. Um it's really hard to look at this episode not uh, with the context of Deep Space Nine, like because obviously we understand what the trill become and how significant they become. But even if you 
And the fact that him being inside uh, Riker would never have worked. Right, 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 which we learn later, of course. And, of course, they have different makeup and whatever. But if you take it as a standalone episode, it's still very interesting. And there's a lot of... They kind of condense a lot of what Deep Space Nine does with Jedzia into, like, the 40 minutes that they have. And I think they do a really good job of it. And they make really interesting, uh, you know, changes in the dynamics of the relationship. This is, I do. I think this is one of the stronger uh, uh, guest star relationships. Even if you don't, maybe, like Philip mentioned, she falls in love in five seconds, of course, and talks to, to, to Deanna about it. <laughs> but um, but even then, like even if you remove that, there's a lot happening, and it kind of distracts you from that. And it's very a lot of interesting things come your way in that episode. I think. Yeah, I, I think what because on the forums on Trek.fm, I started a discussion about the episode Outcast, and that ended up going into a discussion about this episode, the host, because it got into questions about you know sexuality and all that stuff, and so it's like you know. You know, Beverly is in love with Odan, and then, you know, Odan Riker, or Riker Odan, I don't know what you would call him. She apparently has no problem with that, but she draws a line at a strange woman. He's Rodan. Yeah, um, but, you know, then when, you know, the gets transferred to a female host, she's like, I'm going to stop here. Which, I mean, I understand that. What, what I also... But my problem is, like, she was, like, too easy with, like, oh, yes, I'm totally going to do it with Will Riker. I'm like, but that... Like she did ask for permission. Well, that doesn't, not, that doesn't make sense. You know, like, like how would that conversation go specifically? It's like, hey, I kind of have the hots for the symbiote that's inside your ex-lover. So, well, not get the green light. Not even here? ex-lover. Current on and off again lovers. It's, uh, it's called Imzadi. Yeah. There's a name for this. <laughs> So does that mean Riker, would, in, a, in a scene we don't see, goes up to Troy and says, like, hey, got another girl right now. You might know her. But, but, Beverly. Because, you know, they shove each other's relationships in each other's to, faces. To, to so. your point, Philip, that's an in, that's entirely – and I'm, I, I'm convinced of this. This is entirely a – well, it's a convenient plot point, I think, at that point because they can't have her continue that relationship. But it's also a product of the early 90s when this episode was produced because not five or six years later – or whatever it was, maybe eight years, when they produced that one episode with Jadzia mm-hmm. of Deep Space Nine, where like her, one of her previous hosts was in, lo- in love with this other female uh, uh, hosts, you know, from way back when, and and they have that they shared that kiss, um, like that was like less than ten years later, and they tackled that very same issue, and I think it's just that. TNG was just a little earlier, and it wasn't, you know, TV wasn't ready for that kind of stuff yet. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I can understand Beverly not, not you know, suddenly switching um, to women after being with men all the time. But I do have a problem with, like, you know, just think of it this way. Like, you know, think of, you know, a good friend of you that's the opposite sex or same sex, depending upon your orientation. And, like, the person you're in love with is in their body. Would you still be like, yep. I, I just see what's inside. Like, no, that would be creepy weird. I mean, I'm sorry. The 24th century oh, uh, relationships in the 24th century, century are different. <laughs> well, I mean, what have also been interesting is what if the person she had transferred in at the very end had been male, but like we saw when the Dax symbiote went to Esri, like it was a completely different person and they had a lot of trouble finding themselves so, I mean, that could have been another way to take it where all of a sudden it's like, I'm sorry, like when we switch bodies, like 
we're we're like totally different people. Like I still love you, but I in a but I'm just trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, like who maybe I like am. it was like a and twenty like, year old or twenty one year old host or something. You, oh yeah, even even more even more. Yeah, weird. you're right, and and they just obviously they didn't they couldn't establish an entire species that well in that short amount of time. But you're absolutely right. But it obviously sparked, you know, let's bring the species yeah, back, yeah. you know, with with Jedzia, which was a great a great thing. Yeah, which I and I like the 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 actor and and the character. I mean, he did seem very, um, you know, fun and attractive and and cool. Like, because I think a lot of time these guest star romances, some of them are words I can't say on a podcast. But you know, this was one of those rare ones. that was like, yeah, you know what? I could approve of that one. Cause I remember there was that awkward moment where like, he's talking to John Luke, like, man, Beverly sure is awesome. I can't believe she's making out with me. And John Luke's like, yeah, that's <laughs> good. No, that's what you get for having breakfast with Vash that one time, John Luke. Um, <laughs> so, um, of course, when it comes to Beverly and long-haired love interest, we got to talk about them. I don't think we've ever talked about it at length at any podcast before. <laughs> Ronan, which, um, by the way, I didn't know this actor's name, but if you had given me five guesses of what his real name was, I would have eventually come up with Duncan. <laughs> the, you know, there's he is definitely... Now, remind me, is this Green yes. Candle, Duncan? Yeah. Or you Ronin. mean candle? <laughs> yeah, sorry, the candle. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. We don't. When Earl Grey is drawing to a close, <laughs> our final episode will probably be a review of this episode. We can't even say it. No, I love I it. No one's even saying the title. Oh, it is. You know, um, Philip, have you? It's substandard. <laughs> to it our, is subpar. To yeah, our, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's subhuman in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it's so substantial how bad it is. Okay, you said sub in there. That was, you were almost there. You are almost <clears> there. <throat> but yeah, this was Duncan Reger. I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly. Um, but um, I guess, I guess right, he's authentically <laughs> uh, Scottish. I don't know. Um, he was he was very – I mean, I, I suppose for that part, he played – you know, that's what – good casting. I mean, he was very – Ironesque, as the saying goes, um, but is that a saying, Philip? Is that from the 1830s or something? <laughs> well, it's before your time, like 1980. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I'll admit I haven't watched this one, but I have to come into. It. I, I'm, I'm in there in the seventh season. It's going to come whether I want it or not. So I'll be watching this soon. But um, you're barreling towards you it. Know. Trust me, it's <laughs> it's not any better than you remembered it being. <laughs> I did just think of a better way to to spin this episode. So take the whole like dead grandmother thing out of there and what if this whole episode was her playing out um like one of her holodeck programs but then the crazy spirit like possesses a holographic character. So you take out the candle, you take out the whole like family line thing and it's a little more like her Dixon Hill. I was going to say it sounds like a Voyager episode but <laughs> the episode has so many pro- like look we could do a yeah, whole episode of trying to fix this <laughs> of Subrosa but rewriting Subrosa um, <laughs> Oh god I don't even want to rewrite Subrosa I just Anyways uh... what's next on the list there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah yeah Well not now <laughs> Well moving on to a man who had a cast of thousands when it came to guest star romances um William T Riker 
So, so I mean, this will be part two, these. right? A whole nother episode. Exactly. It's just going to be the rest, rest of the podcast. Um, I mean, you guys want to throw anyone out in particular? Well, okay. So Minuet, obviously. I mean, that's the one that they put the most into, really. Two and, appearances. Uh, yeah. Well, appearance in a picture. Well, there's a but, video yeah. <laughs> in Future Imperfect. She was... Um, I've I've seen uh, that episode, you know, the one she's featured in one one zero zero one zero zero one, whatever it is, a bazillion trillion times, and uh, almost probably more than any other. Was strangely enough, any other TNG episode. So, um, she's definitely one that stuck with me for sure, and I, I just love the fact that they call back to her because it's one of those things, especially early on season one. You're like, oh, this is just something. This is just some computer program. Blah 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 blah. But, you know, you watch an episode, and he, he really likes her, even though she's a hologram. So, you know. Right, holograms are people, too. I think in the end, she should have met up with the doctor, and they should have hit it off. Or Moriarty. Or Jordy. One time he was just hanging out on the holodeck or something. Oh, that's who it was. Um, uh, Shelby. Oh, I mean, oh, we don't want to I hear mean, your fanfic. I mean, we're... T- <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I mean, they hated each other's guts, but... I, I mean, we remember that episode where all their memories were wiped and he, like, totally hooked up with Ro Lauren. He's I not on the list. Their memories had been wiped. I think if they had, their memories had been wiped in a similar fashion when Shelby was on board, I think the same thing would have happened. Like, they had – they were too much alike to – that's why they didn't know. You know – Riker's a little more seasoned. No, you know. Come on. It's a terrible thing to say <laughs> about it. You know that if she ended up uh, as a recurring character at least – they definitely would have at least hooked up. You know for a fact that that's where they would have pushed that that character in that relationship. There's, there's, it's without a doubt. Well, Daniel, saying that real Will Riker is going to hook up with a female character. <laughs> look, he hooked up with Troy. Obviously, he hooked up with Beverly for goodness' sake, which we already talked about. <laughs> Roe. I mean, who didn't he hook up with on that ship? That is the question. Uh, Yar. I mean, who? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I some of these names, it's hard because I don't remember exactly their actual names because they either didn't say them or they say them like once. But do you have the one listed from the game oh, where that, he basically is shenanigans like Etana completely... Joel, played by Catherine Moffat. Yeah, so basically, that's the you know, if anything should drive Riker to make better choices, the ex the exploits of that episode would be high on my list. Also, we we would be you know, we we cannot forget Lol, who Riker gets to make out with. <laughs> so uh, you know, <laughs> I just just watched that today, and you know, it's funny watching it again, knowing that that scene is coming up because they mentioned in the beginning like. You know, Commander Riker is like on Directing leave. this episode. I mean, and I'm like, uh, why? Yeah, and I'm and I and I'm like, why would why would they say that? And I'm thinking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, because I'm like, well, they can't. I'm like, I'm like, John Franks Franks can't like just not be in the episode. Like they wouldn't mention it. And then I realized all of that is for the setup for that one shot where Lau kisses him because yeah, he'd have to be not on the Enterprise during the events of the eighty percent of the episode, or else he would have known who she was. So only by having him off the ship were they able to create that, you know, moment. But it, so because of that, I don't know, it felt a little forced. I uh, also 
I, I don't know if, if again, like Darren, I don't know the names of the characters all off the top of my head, but I assume one of these is, is the young lady from... Uh, is one of these... Brenna, the one from First yes, Contact. Yes, I already know what you're is saying. That, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was an, a, a, an important uh, plot point, right? That uh, she wanted the foot to... foot washing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I wasn't even thinking oh. about that. No, I'm sorry. Oh my goodness! But yes, she's the she's the Irish girl, right? That's who you're talking about. Yes, yes, I'm talking about um, the one from First Contact, the episode First Contact. Oh, oh, I thought you mean the movie First Contact. No. And I'm thinking no, you mean like, um, Lil she was what? Frazier, whatever her name was, BB um, Newswith. I can't remember how, something like that. But anyway, yeah, I know you're talking about. He literally had to engage in a relationship with her in order to escape the planet. So what the hand quotes you're using there. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So Brianna is the one from the oh, up the long ladder, ladder. which I I I just I love. Like I we're, we you're, we don't rate women based on attractiveness, but I'm in love with that woman. So that's that's just all that's just all that matters. I mean, she always reminds me of, and I'm blanking on the actress's name, who I first saw in Firefly, but of course is very infamous oh. for being on Mad Men. Um, is it Christina Hedricks? Am I just making that name up? Anyway. Oh yes, Mel's husband, uh, wife, Mel's wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but anyway, um, yeah, because I th- I th- when I saw the, the that woman in Up the Long Ladder, I think that's who it always reminds me of. But anyway, um, but yeah, so it's a, another, I don't know, less memorable for perhaps good reasons. Yuta, uh, played by Lisa Wilcox. This is from The Vengeance Factor, um, which I guess goes to show even Riker. Well, we talked about that with uh, the game. Sometimes Riker falls in love with the evil person, not just Troy. Often Riker falls in love with the evil person. Um, well, someone else we mentioned um, with uh, is is Soren, um, played by a woman, Melinda Coolia. And of course, the reason I say that is because some people would have been delighted if she'd been played by a man. Um, uh, but th- oh, for a second I thought you were talking about Doctor Doctor Tolian. So look, we're not talking about Daniel's <laughs> fanfic. All right, that is after <laughs> time is the fire in which we burn. Sorker, I would live <laughs> is forever. Is that anyway, what their relationship name would be? We're not doing Sorker or something. <laughs> um, but this is um, the uh, uh, oh goodness, yeah. I'm blanking. Um, Outcast. He could be the Doctor on the Titan. Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. But yes, um, we talked about this when uh, Andy was yeah. here um, with Soren. Um, of course, you know, again, the, the joke I always like to do is Riker even falls in love or gets the genderless species too. You know, doesn't it? Doesn't matter with Riker. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, this was definitely an interesting character, both the actress and the character. I think probably I I mean, other than I think I agree with you, Daniel Minuet definitely had something special about her. But I would say this is the most interesting romantic guest star for Riker. There's something there that wasn't there before. And, you know, it's this episode, two kind of reveals the depth. Like, of course, the huge joke in Star Trek fandom is that Riker is just a crazy sex fiend maniac, you know, who... who and that's kind of the joke. The, the game. <laughs> like the game. I'm just going to say it. But this episode it. kind of goes to... Don't hate the player. Uh, you know, to show you that, like, hey, yeah, well, maybe, you know, maybe he does what he does, which is fine. But he also like is a genuinely like caring person, and he actually cares for the people that he encounters, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, in that episode, he was willing to totally 
you know, he was going to go, he's going to end yeah. his career. He was like this close he put... to like, just say, and you know, I mean, Picard warned him, but he was about to go off the reservation and just do what needed to be done. But it was, he too put late. Worf in like ninja clothes to, to, to help him out on that, on that mission. So, yeah. He, well, you know, they got, they got each other's back, <laughs> but he won't help him stab and kill himself. <laughs> That's, That's where right. he draws the line in the back. Makes Alexander do. That. <laughs> I don't say I don't think it takes a lot of encouragement to get Worf in ninja clothes. I think he just like rips off that tunic and always has ninja clothes underneath. So, well, no, no, we know when he rips off his tunic, we know exactly what's underneath. We've seen it in the comic. Grease me up, woman. Captain, it's good that we were. I happened to be stationed here for a. Peace, delegate. Oh, shut it, Mister Wharf. We totally know. I've got my He-Man clothing on underneath my uniform. It's totally okay. on <laughs> and the Masters of the Universe. Oh, I would totally watch that. Forget the Captain Wharf series. I want the animated Wharf He-Man Klingon show, <laughs> where he's trapped. And this is Tog, my Klingon Thunder, Tog. Thunder Wharf, ho! <laughs> You know, Kalar yeah, as Chaitara. We would all watch that, okay? <laughs> oh anyway. All right. Th- huh. we're, now we're getting into lots of fanfic here. We should probably... <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. This is a great ride. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, speaking of, um, I don't know, things you can fanfic with, uh, Counselor Troy's bag of... Do- I mean, romantic interest. Um, yeah. So, gods, where to start here? Um, d- well... I like the first one yeah. you listed. Uh, yeah, I don't even forgot how to pronounce that. <laughs> this is from The yeah. Price. But is that the one? Yeah, The Price, which I just watched for our season three uh, recap. And <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a bad one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, this one, again, it's, is it? This guy is got, like Riker said, he's got used car salesmen <laughs> written all over him. Like, you know, like Q said, they kill all the lawyers. I'm pretty sure at some point he wouldn't have survived that port of history uh, very well. But, you know, but it, I, it's pretty well done for a one episode fling, I guess. Well, I don't know. I just lose a little respect for Deanna, which I don't know. Daniel is my voice of 24th century values. So maybe he can explain this one to me. But this is like where, you know, the guy just walks into Troy's quarters and, like, grabs her back of her face and starts kissing her. And, you know, I'm like, really? I mean, like, what the heck is going on here? He's like, you know I'm hot. Let's do it, baby. I mean, like, this isn't Army of Darkness, okay? I don't I don't know what's going on here. Like that one scene in, um, um, one of my favorites. Why can't I think of it? Um. The hologram trial of Riker. Oh, um, matter of perspective. Uh, matter of perspective, where you know she imagines she like comes in and, and yeah. it's like the same ploy. It's like, what does this button do? <laughs> oh, it deactivates the calm and turns off the lights. <laughs> oh, can your replicator make champagne? <laughs> where did this rotating like, bed you know? come from? Oh yeah, giggity giggity. <laughs> Where's the party oh, button gosh. over here? <laughs> But, like, he, like, just comes in and, like, you know, like, pulls her hair down and, like, oh, don't be so defensive. I mean, like, she looks so submissive. I mean, it's, ugh, ugh, ugh. 
there's a worker bee <laughs> right outside the window, like totally checking this all out. No, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, also help but notice that you didn't mention the ball of light. Well, that. <laughs> speak about the child. <laughs> yes. I don't know who. Oh, I don't know specifically who played that ball of light, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure Jeffrey Combs. It had been nowadays Jeffrey Andy Combs Andy Circus or Andy, yeah yeah Jeffrey Combs. Anytime you don't know who it is, I think he played Tin Man <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the uh, the Nanite Lore. Uh, I'm pretty sure he played Lore too. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, well, like in the the same genre, which of not making sense, but I guess it's, you have this sort of explanation is this uh, Alcar, the ambassador. Um, this is oh, I'm actually forgetting the episode name, but this is basically the guy who like comes with the old lady who people think is his mother, and oh jeez, yeah, uh-huh. and the people, and, and he's like he's like yes, sucking up her 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 youngness. Yeah. Yep, let's call it that. He's basically L'Oreal for men, yeah. or even though he's on the planet, knows. and oh, he's got to go through that. Candle ritual. Oh my gosh! Just, candle. We oh just... no! Ban all candles. <laughs> no, stay away. Stay away. Uh, this is one of those episodes that they're just. Why, man? Just see why? now. It would have been so cool. I know when I saw you listed ambassador, and I'm like, what? I don't even remember an ambassador. It, it would have been what? so cool, even though I know it predates Subrosa. If like you know, the guy just burst into Troy's quarters and beware of the candle. Beware of the candle. <laughs> <laughs> It was just a running gag every time. Or, or if in Sub Rosa, she's like, wait a minute. My friend De- uh, Deanna had some trouble with a candle. You know, let's just put this in a stasis container. I have a lot of those in sick well, bay. As, just, just to as be we safe. learn in generations, that guy would have never left Guinan alone at all. <laughs> oh, gosh. Which I mean I don't know I I don't I feel like he did have some like I don't think they naturally fell in love I think there was some you know he was using his evil mojo to get her <laughs> so I don't know I guess I can't blame Troy for that one um well are you for you, you one thing you didn't list is Thomas well see, I debated because I mean can you say Ooh. Jonathan Frakes guest starred on the Next Generation as <laughs> Thomas Riker yeah. totally as Thomas Riker did you I get mean, two paychecks yeah, totally that's what I'm asking. I bet you. Okay, I bet all, you. I mean, I, okay. I literally know nothing uh-huh. uh, of of how Hollywood practices work, but I imagine because he is uh, credited as two separate characters, I bet you he you got, he must ask. have gotten paid. How, how no, much did Brent get paid from the family? To be lore <laughs> and I bet you he did. <laughs> Triple I don't know. I, I shouldn't say. I'm not going to say. I bet you because <laughs> I have no idea. But I would. I'll pull. I'll pull all my friends in Hollywood because apparently I know everyone because I live in California, <laughs> and I'll find yeah, out let us uh, know. what the pay structure. is. I just is. figure, you know, I, I mean, don't know. It's like uh, Daniel knows the president. He lives near DC. I, I live near DC, so yeah, I, I I can just call Obama and ask him. No, but like, um, <laughs> I, I I just know I'm aware. Obviously, you know, hey, there was a writer strike in the industry during TNG. Like, it's a very heavily unionized kind of industry so i and there's you know all the actors guild and stuff i bet you i don't bet you but i am i wouldn't be surprised if any credited role that a character appears in they have to get compensated for it wouldn't surprise me that's all i'm no, gonna I say. mean if we were doing guest star romances on the orb then we could say jonathan frakes <laughs> so 
Uh-huh. Now, if we were doing uh, guest star romances on any other show on the network, we could say Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure when he was on the holodeck, like, reenacting during the events of Pegasus, he was totally, like, checking out one of the crewmen who was walking around in, in uh, I don't even want to know right? what went on in that kitchen. Um, <laughs> I've, I saw nine and a half weeks, and I don't want it even. Um, but moving on with Troy. Um, so this is an actual decent guy, and I'm not counting Will Riker. Um, Aaron, um, this is from, oh, Lordy, I'm blanking on this. This is the one with the Plan Society. Um, Masterpiece Society. Masterpiece Society. All the big leather chairs. The name's right there on the tents. Yeah, that's what I like about Next Generation. Like, what's this one? The Masterpiece Society. Oh, it's the one about the Masterpiece Society. I should have known. Um, it's not like <laughs> S. Loker, known, I, you know, I have to pull out some Latin dictionary. Um, no. but anyway. Yeah. Deus ex machina. It's like, gosh, come on, just forget the Latin already. But this is played by John Snyder. Um, so this was this was uh, an interesting, good. I don't know what y'all think. Uh, I'm pretty sure I put this episode on my list of most forgettable episodes. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have much. Now to that say you're reminded it. of it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, you know he is um, he's an interesting guy. He's a, a nice guy. That's right. He's probably one of the few times that Deanna gets kind of a. Uh, "Quote unquote nicer guy, a guy that doesn't turn out to be the villain of the story, really." Right, and we're counting Will and, Riker in that list. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but not, but not. Uh, uh, help me out. Why am I forgetting his middle name? Not Tom. We're not not Tom Riker. Yeah. Um, Thomas but Riker, uh, you know, so I guess he's okay in that regard. But he's bland and boring, and he I don't know, plays a piano or something. I can't remember. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So music not in the taste. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to move on to perhaps an unlikely character who had some guest star romances, and that would be Data. Um, Woohoo! Still better than Jordy. <laughs> Is Jordy the Twilight of TNG romances? Like any character, <laughs> still better than Jordy's romance. <laughs> um. So the, the more obvious one for Data was Jenna Desora, played by oh, I'm going to say her last name wrong, Michelle Scarabelle. Um, I don't know. It looks Italian, but anyway, <laughs> is that from Data's is day? She making spaghetti for us right now. Like, well, she makes us mean oh. fujili. Never mind. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, this is from in theory, uh, where Data dates. Um, that's right. So, uh, what would you all think of Jenna? I guess it's like a it's like a data episode. So I you, actually you know, it is it is a character's kind it's of not like one. It, it is no, no, I know. <laughs> No, I know it's a data episode, but I'm saying it's like it's a data episode, so I kind of don't care <laughs> about the other characters. And <laughs> but I don't. It's yeah, automatically going to go say. back. To... I haven't seen this one in a. I haven't seen. You this sound one in just a while. like your mother. <laughs> it's good. Um, the relationship. You're right. I mean, the relationship technically is the focus of the episode, of course, but it's not a. I mean, it's about Data's side of the relationship, really, and so you get this kind of interesting situation where. Ultimately, you know, it's going to end. It's not going to go anywhere. But what can we learn about Data and what can Data learn about himself from it? And, I mean, I love that episode. And the ending gets me every time. Like, it hits me right oh, yeah. in the feels. Uh, but as far as, like, the romance goes, eh, I mean, she's she she seems like a uh, – I, like, I liked her just fine. I think she she made sense. And I liked their little relationship when it was working and then when it kind of was falling apart. So I, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Feels like a character that would show up in our 
EG, I don't know RPG, what you're talking TNG. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe in Ship of the Line, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I would bet. I mean, no, she seems a, a, an interesting character. Well, and I and I say it this way: um, that she isn't. You know, people always say, "Oh, TNG, just perfect Starfleet officers." Like, no, she like totally disorganized. She babbles all. I mean, she's like a borderline Barkley. Which is very unlikely. I mean, like, if you think of, like, the person you would think would be Data's first date, it would not be Jenna DeSora. Very neurotic, um, you know, very different personality um, than you, like, you know, you would imagine Data to be this, like, super smart. Not that Jenna isn't obviously smart. Um, she's a very capable officer, as uh, Data and Worf would say. Um, but, um, you know, just not who you would. But I think that's what does make it interesting because it has to play off all these things about trying to understand her, um, and and being to her while she's massaging her feet and cleaning up her quarters. <laughs> One of the interesting things, real quick, that pops into my mind when I watch that episode, though, like initially, is my reluctance to accept the fact that this human woman is falling for an obvious robot. You know, an I am not a robot. <laughs> and um philip as you mentioned earlier like i'm the one that, that always happens to remind people of 24th century relationships and, and of course in this series we had already established hey guess what data he's kind of a person so i think it's totally reasonable but my initial reaction is always one of like wait a minute what does this mean isn't this kind of strange like is this woman sad is this a sad situation for this woman and of course they do kind of establish that she's on the rebound mm -hmm. in that episode yeah uh so it kind of makes sense but i would also have to kind of forgive her even not in that situation because of the you know because of the the fact that she's in the future and we understand more about whatever but anyways yeah i think the same way where it's she's like the friend that's like, oh, we're friends. Why don't we try dating? It's like, okay, that could be a good idea or it could be the worst <laughs> idea ever. Right. You know, it's it's just, it doesn't go beyond that. Like if Data had been a non-android, I don't want to say human because that's very humanistic. It could have been species. I think he would have been like, no, I think we're good where we are. Let's stay in the friend zone, <laughs> really. I like this friend zone. It's fine. It's fine where we are. Now, I would have paid to see Data say in Data's, like, way of saying it, like, putting her in the friend zone. <laughs> you know, something like the mental pathways, but, like, better. You know, like, your... Our your relationship head, status just, you know, should um, be... I don't know. Anyway. Um, it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, I mean, I, I, I agree, Daniel, which I never thought about that being sad for her. But, I mean, he Data definitely fills a need for her. I mean, obviously, it's a good friend. Um, obviously, he's a a male good friend. Um, and then when she's going through her issues with, um, Jeff, is it Jeff? Jeff Arston asked something like that. Yeah. Um, Daniel, you told me that if you <laughs> were starting to talk about Jeff again, I was to remind you, uh, he never did the little things. Oh goodness. Yes. Um, now, which I don't know. I think data has a type that, Women fall all over him. Um, and, you know, for instance, uh, Ardrienne, um, this is from the Ensigns of Command, um, where this is sort of like the, uh, the the nerdy scientist falls in love with Data, which that's like the stereotype you would think would be that would fall in love with him, um, played by Eileen Seeley. Um, this was from the, uh, this is... The someone the with the Shaliac radiation planet where they're all dying in. 
Yeah. So yeah. It's, you know, gets a little peck on the cheek, or you know, kiss and all that. So, so I mean, I thought I, I, this is one actually I do like this episode a lot. Not not only for the Shelyak, which is awesome that we talked about recently, but also this this cute little part too. I, she plays she's a little this his ally here and helping the planet. She's yeah, she's an early champion for Data. Like she was, you know, she kind of teaches him, hey, guess stand up for yourself. You know, you're. You're you're a damn android. You can do lots of cool things. Why don't you do you know think with your giant brain? Uh, on the other hand, I believe she was like a roboticist or a cyberneticist or something, and uh, so her infatuation with Data is a little stranger. But uh, no, I I actually I really love that moment when she kisses him. She just loves him for his body. <laughs> she loves him for his positronic net. You know. I actually do. I I love the the ending when she kisses him. I think it's really sweet, and uh, I think it really makes the whole episode. And uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm gonna say it. Uh, Data better better at ladies than than Jordy for sure. <laughs> well, I think Data is sort of like the Doctor, where he's like the magical boyfriend. So yeah. it's, it's basically like how do the how does anyone who's interested in him like react at the end when they realize it's not gonna happen? I think Ardrian took it the best. She's like, oh. Yeah, you can't feel and oh, but okay. Well, we can be friends. It's cool. Um, now I actually was not going to think of this guest star, and the only reason I thought of it was because of Darren using a little bit of clip art uh, when we were planning this podcast. And that's the Borg Queen, played uh, infamously by Alice uh, Krieg. Is that her name? Krieg. Yeah. yeah. Krieg. Um, yeah. So Darren, since you supplied the image. The Borg Queen. <laughs> Terrence, since you provide the image of Data and the Borg Queen <laughs> totally yeah. kissing. I mean, like, I know it was your way of promoting yeah. the fanfic, but that's why I read it. So, <laughs> No, I think, uh, yeah, I'm def- definitely include this because that's not since Yar has he really had a serious <laughs> Well, apparently in us, eight years, um, uh, 15 weeks, four days. Yeah. <laughs> Now, how'd you like to be the the you know behind the scenes person who's like, okay, I got to calculate from this start date to this start date, how many days was that? But no, I think, um, I mean, yeah, it's a relationship uh, originating from the city of Stockholm. <laughs> but, she also uh, wanted him for his body, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the access code <laughs> around that. That is one. <laughs> Of her reason. You just want me for my access codes and my neural net. <laughs> no, baby, I totally love you for you. <laughs> Look here, I'll give you, I'll give you some skin. Right on your forearm, and, you where know. it feels real good, like. <laughs> and an and an and an eye. Look, you don't. Where'd you get this eye? I don't know. Ensign so and so. I just ripped it out of his skull. You don't. You don't know Data's erogenous right. zones. Yeah. It could be his under wrist. <laughs> Well, we know it's not the you know right behind right behind his side there. That's his off <laughs> well, yeah. it does. It can yeah. turn him on. It can turn him on. That's yeah. true. <laughs> it's in, yeah. You know, then he just rolls over. And oh, he- <laughs> oh, just like all men. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but no, but it was you know it's an interesting dynamic. Um, and because it, it's you know it's about relationship, but it's more about power than anything because. She's manipulating him the entire time. Well, she literally manipulates his emotion by turning on his emotion. And then at the end, she's all like, you know, 
to Picard, she's like, oh, forget Data. I just want Le- I just want my Lacutus love back, you know. And then she's like, psych, I totally found a new boyfriend. And it's totally serious. <laughs> she's like, love so, space princess? I'm sorry. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to be a drone, Lacutus. It's totally serious. Data uh, likes my lumps. It's totally serious. Her lovely Borgie lumps. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that. He totally doesn't care that I'm like. It, well, he's a hundred percent machine. I'm like ninety nine point nine percent. We have a lot in machine. common. But anyway, I, I think I've said it, <laughs> Daniel. Uh, Take take this foot out of my mouth. Ninety nine percent machine. Point zero one percent all woman, baby, just for you. <laughs> and for an android, that's why. Wow. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, okay. If any of our listeners want to to listen to us go in depth about this, they can listen to our first contact podcast. Um, but. I don't think we went that in-depth. <laughs> You're right. Maybe part we didn't. Of first contact. Uh, no. The I, I, I have no interest in... That's right. I have no interest in the Borg Queen as a oh, romantic right. or physical relationship to Data at all. It bores me. I think I roll my eyes at it. I'm like, get out of my face. I don't want to... I just... That's the one element of that whole sh- movie that I just don't care for. I don't... I don't get it. I just... I don't know. I have a lot of problems with it. I'm not going to get too far into it. Uh, but just suffice it to say, uh, I like his other relationships better. All right. Well, let's see. I don't know. We've, we've been talking for a while yet, but I'll, I'll open it up to, uh, I have a, a little subheading, which you're, any of you are interested to, to throw one out. It's the little people of TNG, as Q would say. Remember, Philip, he never did <laughs> the little things. <laughs> um, as, as Q called O'Brien. What the? You're one of the little people. Um, but, like, for instance, I just uh, finished watching um, Dark Page, which the, obviously there's no romance. Well, technically you see uh, um, Luxwana's husband, Ian, um, but uh, which I guess is a guest star. But, like, the guest stars have romantic guest stars. And Luxwana had, a, like, a, a few. Um, and... Uh, she shows up as a guest star exactly. and then has a guest star romance. It's... So, um, but I don't know, any of the... Because uh, uh, I listed Wesley... Yar, O'Brien, Loxana, they all had various relationships. How many of these you want to highlight specifically? Well, you know, as we were mentioning before, you know, speaking of the fact that Deep Space Nine owes us everything, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's important to to bring up O'Brien and, and Keiko. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding about the other thing, by the way. Um, but uh, just because um, it's a really, you know, Data's Day, which is a fantastic episode, but when you're watching that episode, you don't think, hey, there's nothing going to come of this. And then Keiko shows up maybe once or twice after that, I think. I can't remember how many times she appeared. She does have a baby. She was in uh, The Wounded. She was in The Wounded, yeah. yep. Disaster. Um, she, oh, she was in The and then, uh, Disaster. And then Disaster. Um, she must have been in... R- maybe she's in Rascals. a couple more than that. She's like Rascals, the ultimate yeah. B-plot because we see her just progressing like in the background like every eight to 10 episodes it's like oh let's just show how the o'briens are doing yeah and a lot like you're absolutely right actually a lot like o'brien himself you know she i guess she's in more than we think she is like she's she's definitely present i can't remember the one where o'brien gets possessed yes power play that's one where the three of them get taken over Mm -hmm. right but yeah no i think 
you know, I really like Keiko's character. You do? I, like yeah, I, know. Because... I don't want to say that would get Daniel on a train of Wait thought. A <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. You don't have to say. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I like, I guess I, I like the relationship. I like the fact that we see it progressing. I like that O'Brien's like the everyman. He's a normal guy. He like, he's not an officer. He's not, you know, making all the big calls. Yes, he kind of gets this cool promotion and goes to Deep Space Nine eventually. But, you know, it's just he's. He Just likes his meals with he, meat and potatoes know. and <laughs> not seaweed. Likes his ships and bottles. Although all yeah, I, he totally did. He's totally not kissing a car. <laughs> but um although I'm thinking now if we see them get married though, does that did they meet well, Data the Enterprise then? Yeah, Data introduced them. That's Which right. Which is why he I was forgot, the, I forgot that that detail. Whatever he was. The, the droid, droid of honor. honor. With, anyways, that was what I was going to say is that, you know, as much as I and as much as I think most fans probably are not a huge fans of Keiko, it is definitely the longest lasting and most normal relationship. Uh, I guess speaking as a unwed, you know, um, unfathered man, like, you know, that, that's, that seems to be the most uh, natural relationship that we get in Star Trek. You know, we see we don't see the me's, but we see them married and we see them have a marriage for years and years and they have kids and. Like you said, uh, Darren, O'Brien is already an an everyman, so the fact that his wife is telling him what to do with his life, I guess that maybe that's a normal thing. (laughs) Yes. It's something like the honeymooners in space. One of these days, (laughs) Keiko. (laughs) Bam, boom, straight to the saucer separation. (laughs) But... Uh yeah no I so I I like their their relationship I think it's definitely worth uh, listing because uh I mean they even had a romantic line in uh, the wounded where it's like okay that's completely awkward and I wish I wasn't a fly on the wall to hear you guys say that but yeah no he um so they're they're you know they're sharing like meals like she made him like a Japanese meal that he totally hates and she made him or he made her you know a, an Irish potato meal that she completely hates and she's like oh we can have this for you know for a dessert later and she's like oh and i might have some dessert for you and he gets this look on his face and then it like cuts <laughs> and you're just like no there's nothing I worse than want, married I didn't need to people know that. having relations am i right daniel <laughs> Hi, it is it is in Rascals when she's like twelve and O'Brien's like yeah 32. okay that's, but that's I love really weird the twelve year old Keiko like, still Keiko's him around. <laughs> Yeah, she never Miles yeah. Edward O'Brien. It's oh, a verb I'm sorry, now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am your wife. You should like, no, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to the brig. Send me to Cardassian prison instead. <laughs> Implant the memory of twenty years of prison in my head. Oh. I don't even But yeah. Now I I know that we will go to Trek.fm jail if we don't mention someone who actually don't have it. That's Ensign Left. Oh, that's right, with Wesley, huh? Yeah, and she, yeah. Uh, as I guess she and she's a two. Yeah, she's a two appearance guest star. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go, uh, Christopher Jones, Ensign Leffler, best guest star romance on TNG. We just said it. Please, can we keep our jobs? <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the other one you listed, Philip uh, Yar, Ooh. with uh, uh, Castillo in the uh, which I thought it was Castile. Cause, I think it's like Spanish LL, right? Castillo, I think is what it yeah. is, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Darren, I, I totally butchered that. So, yeah. You could call him Richard. Um, you could just – actually, you could just call you, him Dick. Okay. 
I can call him Richard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so from yesterday's Enterprise, I mean, she, he basically is like, hey, baby, want to come back to my time continuum? And, uh, <laughs> you know, your space time or mine. You're, she actually taught. So he actually really, I think the real story is he fell in love with her and then persuaded Guinan to drop these subtle hints about not belonging I in this time. You were saying he, like, and, uh, had lo and behold, attack and kill the captain just so. Uh... <laughs> no, that's crazy. No, he just manipulated Guinan into getting her to leave the Enterprise and jump to different times. To be fair, she lived, and we have no idea whatever happened to, to him. So he definitely could have lived. Well, anything could have. It would have been anything better than than having Sela, anyways. Well, Daniel, if you're going in a cafe someplace <laughs> and you see this old man who, <laughs> uh, never mind. Hey, anything's possible. Nope, you're pretty much go suicide mission. Did we mention how dire the circumstances <laughs> There's are. There's like 14 Romulan warbirds out there, bro. You're not gonna make it, <laughs> and you're not even in the captain's seat. One of your consoles is going to explode. There's no possibility you're going to make. I mean, we just know they build those back in the day, like just full of and explosives. Rocks. <laughs> I mean, they just didn't build them like that anymore. And the reason why? Because it's stupid to build things out of rocks and explosives. You got to make it heavy in space so that the spaceships can be heavier. There's something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull. <laughs> you keep saying, "Oh goodness." <laughs> well, I think I think uh, I'm. I'm gonna call it. <laughs> well, you know, we could go on and on, and there was a lot more left in the list, but uh, but but it but it's been fun talking about the guest star romances of PNG today. But this is just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed here on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. See, they say that Spock's not a funny guy. But that's this, really funny. This shows, you know, even more than his command ability, it shows that even in the most dire of situations, he still has a sense of humor. Earl Grey. Hey, any other points on transfigurations? Come on, no. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next okay. one. Let's go to the next one. Episode 26. Part 1. The Orb. If it was anybody else, I would be questioning the the ethics of it much more. But because of the relationship that Sloane and Bashir have, I almost kind of expect that Sloane would look down on Bashir if he wasn't doing something like this. To the journey! It's just a good old action story. It's easy to follow. And yeah, okay, granted, yes, Janeway's got the rifle in her hand and she's going around, but she's shooting bugs. That could be scary, though. There's a lot of dark lights, a lot of yeah. jump scares where you open up a door and then the monster comes at your face. The ready room. Well, keep in mind, uh, espionage and spy, they have trouble with those two words in Romulan. So maybe that's maybe that's why it comes across as stilted <laughs> and contributes to the world's slowest disarmament and fight in the history of anything. <laughs> Commentary, Trek stars. It doesn't temper anything that the attempt is valiant. No matter how noble the knight is who fights for this king, he's fighting for a corrupt king. Maybe they're not trying to be valiant. Maybe the next people who come in will try to be defiant. Yes. Literary treks. And I think Kira makes a great point. We need closure. And this is a great way for us 
to close the book on everything that happened to us for the last 50, almost 60 years. Mm -hmm. Continuing mission. What are we going to do for the man trap? What are we going to do? Because it's all about a salt creature and a lot of it's on the planet. What do we do? And I literally just blurted out to Ashley. I was like, what if it was all about the plant? Melodic tracks. No, it's got nothing to do with the actual episode. It's just the yeah. music. But it's, I think it's really funny that, yeah, I've changed my opinion of him. So I'll choose music from the episode that most people say is complete rubbish. Well, the first two minutes of that episode are fine. They're the same as any other episode, really, aren't they? <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you'd like to contact us to share your thoughts about the Prime Directive and what it means and how you've broken it lately, um, you can just go to trek.fm slash contact, and from there, choose the form uh, that says Send a Show and select Earl Grey. Uh, these messages will be emailed to the three of us, and you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on trek.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which we've never gotten one, so we'd love for you to be our first. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums section at trek.fm forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each and every week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the pr premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers to include Star Trek The Next Generation titles such as Reunion, narrated by Gates McFadden, and The Valiant, narrated by TV's Giles, Anthony Stewart Head. Audible has something for everyone. And as a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today and catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've had yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and trek.fm. And lastly, there's a way you can help us directly to support Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's by adopting some cool-looking alien illustrations. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on trek.fm. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which alien you would like and in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. All right, guys. Well, we got an email. Um, from a listener, as happens occasionally, and it's all the way from Australia, which I'm told is um, This is from Dean W., um, and he says, hi guys, he said, he just discovered the podcast, and by extension track.fm, so Darren, or Dean, uh, welcome, um, and he says, I'm currently working my way through the past shows, wanted to drop a quick email to congratulate you on doing a great job, 
interesting topic on my favorite with an unneeded you TV show delivered in entertaining ways and looking forward to this becoming one of staple podcasts. So, Dean, we welcome you as a listener and, and hope you can spread the love um, there to Australia. Yeah, one of the great things about Star Trek is uh, it's worldwide. So we're really we really like hearing from our fans uh, across the pond and across the ocean. Kangaroos. I had nothing to say there. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Welcome aboard. All right, Darren, if um, people would like to ask you what uh, married life is all about, where can they find you on the Internet? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. All right. And Daniel, if people want to ask you about unmarried life, where can they find you on the Internet? <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter. Yeah, that's the best place. Uh, I am uh, at OneUpDan, and that is the number one, not the word. And if people want to reach me about why is it complicated, um, they can find me also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is NC Public Servant. That's NC like nobody cares. <laughs> no companionship. Well, guys, it's been um, interesting talking about all these uh, great men, women, and a gender species. Androids. So <laughs> Androids, yeah. We will look forward to he- joining you all next week here on Earl Grey. Until then, make it so. Live long and prosper. Endgame. Fire. <laughs> <laughs>